0: Well hey church family, Pastor Paul here and I hope you're doing well. Uh, this weekend we got the joy of continuing in Ephesians two, one through 10, kind of looking at the second half of these verses. Uh, but our capturing the message, audio and video, we had some technical issues. And so coming to you this way and just gonna kind of give a, a brief recap of the message. All of the notes are available online so you can go back and do some personal study on your own. Uh, but let me just start by reading the text. not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I just love this passage and this past week uh, we were able to kind of dive into the before part, who we were, and then this Sunday we're able to look at who we are in Christ. And that's really the way the Apostle Paul sets up these 10 verses. It's through contrast. Who we were, who we are, and this is going to be a theme he's going to use throughout the rest of the letter, because if we're going to understand the good news of the gospel, we have to understand the bad news. We have to see the depth of our brokenness. So we talked about uh, last Sunday how it's kind of like a diamond on a black backdrop. Uh, the black backdrop helps the diamond just to be beautiful, to see the difference, to distinguish uh, what the beauty of everything that's a part of what it is. You see the contrast. Uh, talked about how uh, if you got the diagnosis from your doctor that you are cancer-free, that would be good news. But if you went to the doctor not expecting to have cancer and you got that diagnosis, like that would be good. You would be encouraged. You'd probably tell people about it. But at the end of the day, um, it's not what you're anticipating. However, if you go to the doctor and you have stage 4 cancer and it is terminal and you get the news you are cancer-free, it changes everything. It gives you life where there was supposed to be death. In the same way, the Apostle Paul in this passage is, is giving us the contrast, the bad news of who we were in our sin, but who we are now in Jesus Christ. So last week we looked at how we are dead in sin. We are enemies of God in our sin. We are slaves to sin. We are guilty in our sin. We are helpless and we are hopeless in the weight of all of that. And then we have these beautiful words that I just read from Ephesians 2, 4. But God, he is the initiator, he steps in, he is full of extravagant mercy, he is full of great love that he has shown us in Jesus Christ. So the question then becomes, okay, If we are sinful, but God has stepped in to save us, how does he save us from our sinful state? How does he overcome the depth and brokenness of our sin? And the way the Apostle Paul does this is through contrast. So I'm just going to walk through kind of the big ideas that we see in this text and then just a couple of response questions for us. So big idea number one is this. We were dead in our sin. Now we are alive in Jesus. We're dead, now alive. And the key part is in Jesus. These realities aren't just something neutral. We were dead and now God makes us alive and we go out and do the best that we can. No, we are alive because we are in Jesus Christ. When you look at verses 5 through 6, it says that he made us alive in Christ, that he raised us in him. It is his resurrection that we participate in. And that's kind of mind-blowing for us because when we think about time linearly, Jesus' resurrection happened over 2,000 years ago. But there's a spiritual reality when you or I place faith in Jesus that we are saved, that we participate in the resurrection that actually Jesus participated in as well. So we were dead in our sins, which means we are unable to save ourselves. But we've been made alive in him And so in Jesus, two things. One, we're alive, we're not spiritually dead anymore, and we are raised with Christ. And the reason why this is so important is that Jesus will never die again. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. He defeated sin, which means for you and for me, our life is guaranteed. Why? Because we are in him positionally. So we were dead in sin, now we're alive in Jesus, but it gets better. Second big idea, we were slaves to sin, now we are seated in freedom with Jesus Christ. So we talked about in the first couple verses of Ephesians that we were slaves to our sin, meaning we were following the passions of our flesh verse 3. We were following the desires of the body and the mind, verse 3. The the passions, the desires that God has given us, they're good, but we distort them. We turn them on on ourselves. We we worship the things that were meant to point us to God instead of Him. And so we become slaves to our desires. But in Christ, it says, verse 6, we have been seated in the heavens with Him. What does that mean? It means that positionally, right now, for those of us who are in Christ, Jesus followers, we are spiritually with him. Well, what's that whole idea, seated with Jesus? The picture of seated means there's authority. He is ruling. He is reigning. There's nothing that is outside his authority. And so we are joint heirs with him. We are a part of that kingdom. Well, what does that mean for us practically? Well, it means he has authority over all things and we have been set free because we are in him. So really practical implication is this, sin no longer has authority over you or me. Like when we were dead in our sins, we were slaves, meaning we couldn't stop worshiping the wrong things. We couldn't stop lusting, we couldn't stop being greedy, we couldn't stop being bitter and selfish, we couldn't stop being angry. But now because we are seated with Jesus and all authority belongs to him, sin is no longer our, has power over us. You are free in Jesus. And when will that freedom end? Never, because he is seated at the right hand of God and we are in him. So we were slaves, but now we have been set free. I love how the Apostle Paul speaks this in Galatians 5 1. He says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You're free. And so, yes, we are going to battle sin. We're going to battle temptation. Our flesh is still real because we live in this world. But sin no longer has power over you if you are in Christ. So we've been made alive. We've been set free. Third big idea, we were guilty in sin, but now we are under grace. We're under grace. So we were under condemnation, under wrath, guilty punishment because we were born in sin. We abide in sin. We continue in sin. But what we see in this beautiful passage is in verse 5, verse 7, and verse 8. We are, for by grace you are saved, according to the riches of his grace. For by grace you are saved. Again, three times in these four verses, the Apostle Paul's showing again and again, you are under God's grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It is a free gift that comes to us, which means because Jesus died on the cross, the penalty of our sin has been paid. We are no longer guilty because we are in him. When he died, he took the sin of the world on himself, including yours, including mine. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, he sees Jesus, we are under God's grace. Well, when will that grace stop? It never will, because he has fully paid the cost of your sin and my sin. So grace is not just a past event that we enjoy, it is a present reality that we live in. We were guilty, now we're under grace. Fourth big idea, we were enemies of God, now we are servants of Jesus. So there's this really cool parallel, it's easy to miss in these verses. In verse 2 we see that it says we once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. It was an active direction, a going toward uh, sin, uh, running from God. Well now when you look at verse ten it says we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that we might walk in them. Exact same word. And what Paul's saying is there's been a change of direction. We were going one way, following the course of the world, following the enemy, following our desires. But now in Jesus we are going a completely different direction. We've become servants of him. We have a new purpose, a new identity to live for good works, good gospel works that bring glory and honor to him. The, the word that the scriptures use the most is the word repentance. It means to be going one direction and turn the other way. This is what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Titus 3 says it this way, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, who he poured out richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We were going this way, but now we've been made new in Jesus Christ. So this is who we were in our sin, but because of God, this is who we are in Jesus Christ. Praise God for his glorious grace. In Jesus, God the Father's extravagant mercy, his great love, his immeasurable kindness, and his glorious grace has been extended to you and to me. And all we can say is praise God. He is worthy of our worship. So that leads to two kind of questions that kind of lead us into application. First question is this. How do you, how do I, how does God save us? How do we participate in this new life and all these realities? And that leads to the next big idea. In Jesus, you and I, we are saved by grace through faith. By grace through faith. The way we enter into this new life and all the other benefits is by grace, God's gift, through faith, our response. Grace is the means of our salvation, which means it's God's work, not our work. Faith is our response to that salvation. And when I say our response, it's not like God does his part and we do our part. No, it's all God's part. He puts faith in us. Salvation is his from beginning to end. We respond to that by faith. And the Apostle Paul's really clear. By grace you've been saved through faith. And then he emphasizes there's nothing you can do to earn it. He says, this is not by works, it is a gift of God and uh, not by work so that no one can boast. So there's nothing you and I can do to earn it. It is just God's gift that we receive, we respond to. From beginning to end, salvation belongs to God. So the question is for you and for me, have you responded in faith to God's great gift of grace? Do you know Jesus? Have you been made alive in him? And if you haven't, today is the day of salvation. Turn from your sin. Trust in Jesus. Ask him to save you, to become your Lord, to make you go from death to life. And he will. And new life can be found in him. Which leads to the last question. If we know how God saves us, the question is this. Why did he do it? Why does God save us? next big idea. In Jesus, we are saved for God's glory. See, in verse 7, it says that God did all these things that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Why does God save us? Well, he saves us because he loves us, but ultimately he saves us because it puts his glory, his goodness on display. It's kind of like looking at a magnificent piece of art. You don't celebrate the art, you look at the beauty, but who do you celebrate? The artist. Or if you have a uh, life-changing, life-saving surgery, you don't celebrate your heart that was repaired, you celebrate the surgeon. And so God, in doing this and taking us from death to life in Christ, it's meant to put his glory on display. And the cool thing is our lives get to be a part of that story, magnifying his word. And the way we do that, last big idea is this. In Jesus, we are saved to walk in good works. So as we live out the gospel, verse 10, we are his workmanship, his new creation created in Christ Jesus. Why? Why? for good works which God prepared before time why that we should walk in them so as you and I live out the gospel and that's what we're going to see in Ephesians 4 through 6 the practical living out the walking out of our calling the way we do that brings glory and praise to Jesus this is what saturation looks like that every single part of our lives from our marriage to our parenting to our school to our vocation to our words to our relationship in the body being lived out for the glory of God what we are called to do. So I'll just end with Titus 2, 11 through 14. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is what God has done, and this is what he's called us to.